0: What a way to start off conference play in the Big 12 in basketball on Saturday. Welcome in to Heartland College Sports Live. I'm Pete Mundo, your host. It's so great to be here with you. If you are new to us, we cover the Big 12. We've been doing this for years, just wrapped up a huge 2023 with millions of you consuming our content. And uh, we are so grateful you're back for another year. There will be, as I promised, more basketball coverage throughout the season, So let's get right to it because it was a day and a Saturday filled with controversial calls, upsets, and much more. By the way, if you're on YouTube, subscribe. Hit that button right below you. We're still going to have a lot of content coming your way throughout hoop season before March Madness, which is two months away. And uh, if you're on the podcast, leave that five-star rating and review. Want to get to 800-800 ratings if we could. What do you say, by March Madness? I think we're at like 740-something right now, 742. So hit the five-star, and if you want the koozie, the Heartland College Sports koozie from me, all you've got to do is leave a review as well and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at com. So let's start with the controversy from Saturday. Kansas, TCU, end of the game. Ernest Uday's flagrant foul. Was it a flagrant foul? My first inkling was that it wasn't. But as I watched it over and over and over again, I thought to myself, that is. And I don't like that. I get it. It's easy to sit here and say, well, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, it's five on eight, refs are in the back pocket. Like That's where my gut was right away. TCU had played its heart out. TCU deserved every opportunity to win that game without a flagrant foul call there, which gave KU two free throws and the ball with under a minute left. But then as I watched it and watched it again and then watched it again and again and again, I'm like, why is he using the elbow? It was completely unnecessary. And you know, I, I hate it. I'm not like sitting here saying, oh, that's not a flagrant. But to sit here and simply say, oh, that's the refs in the back pockets of KU. There are other examples I would use in recent years in history to prove that far more than Saturday's flagrant call, flagrant foul call. There's a lot of other calls I'd use over the years before that one. The bigger question then becomes, is it kind of like if you go back a month or so if you're an NFL fan? To the Kadarius-Tony offsides for the Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills, which brought back that wild, what would have been go-ahead touchdown, Travis Kelsey then lateraling it to Tony, which would have beat the Buffalo Bills. Of course, the Chiefs end up losing that game. They go bonkers on the sidelines because Tony was offsides. It's a similar question where it's like, do you want the refs involved in the game there? But in the end, they've got a job to do. And... Just like with Tony being offsides, Uday clearly made a play that was not a basketball play with the elbow. So I, I just, listen, I hate it for TCU. I really do. And I know we all want to jump on the refs when something like that happens at Allen Fieldhouse. But I just, I can't get myself there on that play. A part of me wants to. I completely admit a part of me wants to. But I just can't get myself there. But TCU deserved every opportunity to try to win that game fair and square down the stretch. And listen, boneheaded play by a guy who used to play at KU in Uday, maybe a little more personal for him. Um, Maybe the emotions got the best of him. But heck, Jamie Dixon knows how to play in Allen Fieldhouse. He is not afraid of that place. Won there last year, almost put it off on Saturday and what was a uh, just a great way to open up Big 12 play. It was the first game of the day for the Big 12. It was on Big CBS. And uh, if that's the kind of basketball we are in for the next two months in this league, it is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, Hunter Dickinson obviously is having himself a heck of a season. 30 points, 11 boards. K.J. Adams just keeps getting better. I remember watching him his freshman year, and he was just a pup. He has come into his own, he's confident, he's got some juice, and he is just a, 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 a cliché, but in many ways he feels like the glue guy, the heart and soul of that team. In a transfer portal era where there's so much turnover, K.J. Adams just stays with the program and keeps getting better, and that's what you love to see um, if you're a Kansas fan. And for TCU, listen, I, I know it's a loss, and I know it's painful. But TCU just proved it's hanging with the number two team in the country. And considering they're, what, a couple of weeks removed from losing to Nevada, uh, that's got to give you a lot of confidence. Now you got to keep it going and try to carry, even though it was a loss, that momentum into, what, Wednesday's game against Oklahoma. That's what's next for TCU coming out of that one. So next up um, was a blowout game. Houston, West Virginia, Two teams on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. There's not a lot to say about the game itself. Um, What I would simply say is Houston is gritty, is going to be there at the very end. Um, I don't believe the Big 12 schedule is going to intimidate this Houston team by any stretch. I mean, We know that this program came into the Big 12 and they were in much better shape for hoops than they were for football. But even they might surprise me in terms of just how good of a shape they're going to be for basketball season. They blow out West Virginia, but also the Mountaineers are a mess. I, I mean, I, I really do feel bad for the entire program and what this season's going to look like and what Josh Eilert's going to go through. I don't, I mean, it feels like he's a dead man walking. And uh, you saw that begin in league play on Saturday with Houston winning 89 to 55. As you went through the day in the Big 12, Oklahoma, hey, do I want to go to that game? Uh, no, let's do uh, Baylor beating Oklahoma State in overtime. So, by the way, I don't know how many of you had a little coin on this game, but Jalen Bridges had a dunk with .1 seconds left in overtime for the Bears, and it allowed Baylor to cover the spread of 4.5 points in Stowater. Literally a dunk with .1 seconds left for Baylor, helps them cover the spread. If you want to talk about a bad beat, if you had Oklahoma State plus the 4.5, I mean, literally, you lose the bet because a guy slams a dunk down with .1 seconds to go. Oh, that's a bad beat. That's a really bad beat. But this is the Big 12 in a nutshell. Oklahoma State, tough, scrappy team at home, top 20 opponents, and... This thing ends up going to OT, like that's what you're going to see week in week out, game in game out from this conference. And I thought the backcourt play in particular for Oklahoma State was pretty darn impressive. You know what Bryce Thompson can do, but then you throw in you know a guy like Javon uh, Small into the mix, and he's a guy who, as I start getting more into the basketball over the last couple of weeks, I'm still you know my head was in football mode until a week ago. But I'm watching this guy, and I'm like, you know what? He's got some confidence. He's got some swagger. Gets the ball around well. Um, he can rebound the ball, too. I mean, I was, I was impressed with Javon Small and what I saw out of him. And obviously, it's our first year seeing him as a transfer from East Carolina. So it's not just about whether or not you win or lose. It's about what your team looks like getting into conference play. And I know a lot of you are like me where you've been in football mode, regular season, bowl season. Our guy Matthew Postins is obviously all caught up on the basketball. But for a lot of us, it's like, okay, it was football season. Now it's starting to be basketball season. And in the basketball world, it's even crazier because the transfer portal has opened up guys to move every year. I mean, if, if you're a basketball fan, you've got to oftentimes relearn almost half of a starting rotation as the season gets underway because of how much these guys are moving all over the place. And that was one guy, if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, in Javon Small, where I'm like, you know what, I like that dude in my backcourt. I want him in my backcourt. And um, Baylor ends up getting the win that they were expected to get, but it was dicey there. It was dicey. And we'll have to see how this plays out for both of these teams going forward. Uh, Let's go Next game. Kansas State-UCF. Not a lot to say there. UCF is in for a long season. Just like West Virginia, UCF basketball is in for a very long season in this conference. UCF is kind of like the opposite of Houston, where UCF comes into the Big 12 expecting to be in a place to compete in football. They were not expected to be there in basketball, and we saw that. I mean, they were throwing up brick after brick. They shot 33% from the floor, 22, 23%, something like that from three-point range for UCF. They were terrible. And hand it to Kansas State. I mean, they did not let their foot off the pedal. Now, listen, are you going to get this kind of performance night in, night out from Kansas State? It's been a somewhat tumultuous first few weeks with all the the drama off the court, um, the Naquan Tomlin stuff, everything else. I I don't know. I think Kansas State looks to me like a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team. But at the same time, when you look at where this program has been, Jerome Tang, how last year's team got better and better and better, this could be a Kansas State team that as the season goes along, now that they know what they've got, they've got all the drama behind them, they continue to get better week in and week out, and um, if Saturday was a step in the right direction, Tyler Perry drops 25 points on UCF. He becomes your go-to guy. Uh, you're going to be in a very good spot going forward. So uh, Kansas State dominates UCF on Saturday, 77 to 52. Then you've got the um, Oklahoma Iowa State game. This was a really good game down the stretch. OU ends up winning 71 to 63 in large part because of a backcourt that essentially overwhelmed Iowa State. What I saw from another guy who, once again, as many of you make the transition from football to basketball, Javion McCullum, a junior who was playing at Siena College in the MAC last year, that is a guy that if you haven't watched a lot of Oklahoma basketball, you're going to enjoy watching him. He had himself a really good game. 15 points and 5 assists. He was all over it late in the game. Some key plays, key dishes. I just really liked what he brought to the table for the Oklahoma Sooners. And, you know, Uzan was good in that backcourt as well. He had some key baskets down the stretch. So there are just some nice players that Porter Mosier has there that a lot of people don't know about that have been, in some cases, in many cases, brought into the program. Um, or guys that are just kind of getting better in that program. Uzan was there last season, but some of these guys are just starting to kind of get their feet under them. And you're seeing this OU team that was top 15, number 11 in the country right now, just get better and better and better. And it was in large part the backcourt to me for Oklahoma that was better on both sides of the floor than Iowa State, defensively and offensively, especially over the last few minutes of that game, when OU started to um, pull away a little bit. So uh, I think Iowa State's going to be fine. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this Iowa State team, and I'm sitting here just from afar looking at Iowa State and saying to myself, okay, I still think this is an NCAA tournament team. However, in the Big 12, man, it is going to be a slog every single night. That's just how it's going to go um, in this league this season. Then you go to Texas tech upsetting Texas 78 to 67 in Austin. Well, I'll tell you right now, pop Isaacs did not look like a guy who, if you missed it was accused of sexual assault in the last few days, Texas Tech guard, pop Isaacs was hit with a sexual assault accusation from Texas tech's time at the battle for Atlantis back in November. Uh, Texas Tech put out a statement basically saying, you know, we know what's going on and he's playing. And he did not look like a guy who was at all distracted. He had 21 points, 7 of 15 shooting, 3 of 5 from three point range. He was good. And Joe Toussaint, the West Virginia transfer, had himself a very balanced game 15 points, five rebounds, five assists. Uh, Texas, at times, just looked like it was a bit too reliant on a couple of their key guys. Dissu got off to a red-hot start, but then he kind of slowed down. Um, If you're looking for a Texas guy that I think keeps getting better, it's Dylan Mitchell. Sophomore guy, huge, huge recruit a couple of years ago for the Longhorns. Actually thought, apparently, about going to the NBA after his freshman year, even though it was you know kind of an up-and-down season, he's just one of those big, athletic, talented dudes, can play it all, 6'8", long wingspan, 205. Um, he keeps getting better, and he had himself a very good game, 16 points, 11 boards, and 4 assists. It wasn't enough for Texas, but um, that's a, a name to keep a close eye on. But for Texas Tech, going on the road, opening up Big 12 play, at Top 20 Texas, getting a win like this, Um, that is one that, you know, is going to help them big time as the season goes along as we march towards March, no pun intended. And Warren Washington had himself a very good game too, a guy who's been all over the map. Warren Washington, Oregon State, Nevada, Arizona State, now he's at Texas Tech. (laughs) Seven-foot big man from California, and uh, he had one of his best games of the season. Fifteen points. How about this? Five of five from the floor. Five of eight at the free throw line. Three blocks. Uh, Texas Tech getting a gritty win. Grant McCaslin getting his guys on the board early, giving them some confidence to kick off Big 12 play. So all in all, uh, Texas Tech getting a very impressive win in this uh, this game. And the last game of the night, also an upset, Cincinnati at 12-BYU getting that top 15 upset. Very nice job by Cincinnati being without C.J. Frederick and winning 71-60 to 60 over the Cougars. Now, we wondered whether or not BYU is a paper tiger sitting there in the top 15 in the country. And if Saturday was any kind of a sign, my fear is they may go from top 15 to unranked pretty darn quickly in this league. I mean, You wondered if BYU was truly top 15 worthy or if they were just beating the mediocre non-conference schedule they had. What was their best win of the non-con? San Diego State, maybe, I guess. Um, Now it's Big 12 play, and you lose to Cincinnati. And listen, look at this stretch for BYU. At Baylor, at UCF, that's winnable. But then Iowa State, Texas Tech, Houston, Texas. I mean, is anyone going to sit here and be shocked if BYU starts off league play at let's say one in six? I won't be. It's not a knock on BYU. That's just how loaded this conference is. It's unbelievable to watch this league and see how it you know plays out every Saturday, every week. So um, impressively, as well for Cincinnati, when you look at this game, Bandago. Uh, was a game-time decision, and he ends up having himself a big afternoon, big night. Game was the last game of the day in the Big 12. 12 points, uh, 10 rebounds, some scrappy defense that really got the second half working for Cincinnati, who was down double digits late in the first half and then blew the doors off of BYU in the second half, outscoring them 47-29. to 29. So, you know, um, big differential at the free throw line as well. 24 free throw attempts for Cincinnati, only 10 for BYU in this game. So Cincinnati pulling off the upset uh, on the road to start off Big 12 play, showing that they are very much in the mix going forward. So awesome way to kick off conference play in this league, and uh, there's a lot happening, a lot happening that we're going to be following in In the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. We cover the Big 12. Hit that subscribe button if you're new to us on YouTube right now. Do it and leave us a five star rating and review if you would take a minute out of your time on iTunes or Spotify to uh, do that. So I I do want to touch on something here that um, is a theme of mine that has worried me about the future of college football, specific to the Big 12. Johnny Nansen, Arizona defensive coordinator, is leaving for a lateral position at Texas. We have seen this happen now multiple times over the last few months to a year, where Big 12 coaches are leaving for lateral positions in the Big 10 or the SEC. Arizona's coming to the Big 12. Johnny Nansen, their DC, is going to Texas. For the same position, co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach with Pete Kwiatkowski. Uh, we saw Colin Klein leave Kansas State for Texas A&M, offensive coordinator, to offensive coordinator, lateral move. We saw Kansas and their offensive coordinator leave to go to Penn State, lateral move, same position, offensive coordinator. And if there's a fear that I have for the Big 12, it's that there is going to be, as the gap between the SEC, Big 10, and the other power conferences grows when it comes to money, you're going to have the best Big 12 coaches getting snapped up for lateral moves. Not guys going to be head coaches, but literally not even going like wide receivers coached OC somewhere. We're talking OC to OC, DC to DC, from the Big 12 to the SEC or the Big 10. That is what is as concerning to me as anything else because I don't want to see the Big 12 lose its best coaches for lateral moves to those conferences because that is how the gap will continue to grow between those two conferences and the Big 12 and the ACC and whatever else ends up happening you know, with the other conferences here. But let's say Power 4 for sake of the conversation because the Pac-12 is going away. I don't want to see that that's not healthy and it's not good for the big 12. So the big 12 has got to acknowledge that that is happening. And I know that those programs just have stupid amounts of money sitting around to now spend so they can get whatever guys they want on that coaching staff. Money is no object, but the big Twelve has got to at least acknowledge it and be aware of it and make sure that wherever they can, they're up in the ante too. On their coaching staffs and trying to keep their best guys, because if not, the gap will only grow more on the field and off the field as well. Let's get to some of your comments on YouTube Live and on uh, Facebook, Pete. If TCU is the sixth best team in the conference for the Big Twelve, yikes! Trust you know, Brett Yormark was at the Houston West Virginia game on Saturday. And I think he joined the broadcast briefly, and he's talked about how the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in America. It's not close. Do you see the Ken Palm ratings on Sunday? We wrote about this on the website at heartlandcollegesports.com. Nine of 14 Big 12 teams are in the top 30 in Ken Palm ratings, one of the advanced analytics used for college basketball. That is ridiculous. Nine of 14 teams in the top 30. Where else are you going to see that or get that? That's incredible. So, <laughs> it is going to be an incredible next eight weeks in this conference. I cannot wait. Allen says I can see Kansas, Houston, and Baylor dominating. Well, it depends on your definition of dominating. There's 18 conference games. Does 13 and five win it? It might. Like I, I don't, I don't know if there's a 15 and three or 16 and two team in this league this year. If Kansas or Houston, I don't think Baylor is on the level of Kansas or Houston right now. Um, I think they're a notch below, and I think that second notch is very muddled at this point. I think it's Kansas and Houston 1-2. I think there's a gap to whoever you want to argue is number three at this point in time. But even between Kansas and Houston, night in, night out in this conference, you're talking about 14-4, 14 and 4 I think wins you this league in conference play. So that wouldn't shock me a uh, one bit. Uh do, do 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 what else do we have here? Uh TCU got robbed. I talked about that Jeremy at the start of the show. So um head on back listen to that if you missed anything that I had to say there on that. <laughs> Pete I would probably hate Hunter Dickinson if he wasn't on my team. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson, you know, he's kind of like the white guy on Duke that everyone in college basketball loves to hate, except he's on Kansas. But yeah, you know, he has some of that. Yes, he's been known to flop. I don't think the Uday hit was a flop, by the way. I don't think that was a sales job by Hunter Dickinson. It's funny. I was listening to the game on the radio. I was, you know, getting my youngest daughter out of the house. So I was watching the game. She wakes up for a nap. She's two and a half. And... We take her in the car, and I'm listening on the radio to Brian Haney, who's the play-by-play guy. He's been on this show. I've known Brian for 12, 13 years now, since he was doing a talk show in Lawrence back in the day. Then he got the job at Texas Tech. Now he's at his alma mater calling games, living the dream. Brian's a great guy. Uh, so I'm listening to him call it on the radio, and you know they go nuts over the flagrant foul. And I, I get it that the KU broadcast, even though I think Brian calls a fair game and a straight game— and they say, "Hey, let's I wish we could hear what Gene Sterator was saying. Who was on CBS TV, you know, the official giving his perspective. And I guess Gene was saying it shouldn't be a flagrant. Which is funny. They didn't know that obviously, but I guess Gene Sterator was saying it's not a flagrant foul. Now, my guy Jay Wright, former Villanova coach at CBS, he said it was a flagrant. And as I said at the start of the show, I was outrage not outraged, but I thought that it was not a flagrant when I first saw it. But then the more times I saw it, I'm like, eh, that's a flagrant. Can't do it. So that's where I'm at um, when it comes to that controversy. But man, we are in for such an awesome next few weeks in this conference. All right. It's going to be so great. And we're going to be here for you. More basketball coverage is coming to us, coming to you, I guess, from us at Heartland College Sports. So be sure to check that out. And thank you for being a part of it. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the five stars on the podcast. Takes two seconds before you leave the show. Thank you for doing that. And if you're not on our message boards, hop on over. Go to heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on the Members Forum tab. We've got a lot of folks, a lot of Big 12 fans coming on there, joining the conversation. And um, it's just a great way to build a Big 12 community, which is really our next step. We've got millions of people who consumed our content last year, but we want to build a community in the Big 12. And the message boards is really where it starts. It's just a little more intimate than what you get on social media. So head on over there. It's free. You know, we're not charging anything for that. It's just a great way to build that Big 12 community. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is where you find us. And we appreciate you guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Stay warm. Take care.